Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, November 4th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. College sports is the topic today. We chat with Mizzou beat writer Suichi Tirada about the Tigers' lopsided loss at Florida and the benches clearing brawl before halftime. We also evaluate the Tigers at the midseason point. After a break, the conversation shifts to Billy Tubbs, the former Oklahoma basketball coach who died earlier this week. In addition to being a successful coach who got the Sooners to the 1988 national title game, Tubbs was a character who once told fans in Norman not to throw things on the floor no matter how bad the officiating was. He also once had his team cut down nets after winning a conference championship at Kansas, the team they beat to win the title. Okay, so let's get started. What an all-star panel we've assembled here. Suichi Tirada, who covers the Missouri Tigers for the star has joined us. Hello, Suichi. Hi, Blair. Um, I voted today, which uh, which was fun. Um, I think you assumed that I was too young to not vote in 2016. <laughs> that's what I assume, at least. Uh, I'm not that that young, I guess. I am 23, so I voted in 16 and 18. You're both right. Of, both of us were in Michigan, but now I voted in Missouri at uh, Missouri Arena, which was fun. Yeah, I bet. That, was, that, was, that must have been cool to do that. Um, not at a church or a recreation center or whatever the the precinct is but you're right when you and I exchanged text yesterday and I uh I wasn't exactly sure how old you were and whether you would have voted in 2016 or or even if you were voting age whether you did vote but you did and I was glad to hear that and so you also gave away the the podcast we're running this on Wednesday but recording it on election day and so glad to hear you voted and I know Vahe Gregorian voted Hey, did you vote today, Vahe, or, or earlier? I voted, my goodness, almost, I think, five weeks ago at, uh, at Union Station and was in and out of there in, I think, parked the car at 1037, was back in the car at 1053. Um, so it was pretty tidy, pretty efficient then. And uh, I will try to do that forevermore. By the way, Blair, this might be true for you, too. I can't remember. This is the... Uh, 40th anniversary of my first uh, of first presidential vote. Ding, uh, ding, 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 ding. Absolutely. And uh, I won't wow. talk too much politics, but I will <laughs> say that I, I in that first presidential election, I, for reasons that sort of elude me now, but I, I voted for the independent. <laughs> so did I, John, John, John Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were, we were just college rebels at the time, I think. And, <laughs> you know, you know, down with the establishment. And, uh, <laughs> right. That's right. Both had mustaches. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, I'd love to see some photos of that. <laughs> oh, gosh. I And I don't know why I voted for him, except, you know, I just did. And um, I think he, I he actually made sense. You, and you were in college, right? Because I know I was in college. Yeah, I was in college, and I'm pretty sure I was just trying to impress some girl. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it was absolutely dating material. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, it also occurs to me that what we're having this conversation in, uh, in the early afternoon on Tuesday, and by the time it airs, we may or may not know uh, the, the outcome of, of the presidential election. So we'll see. And... Uh, hopefully, our uh, our conversation will about Mizzou football. And after a break, Billy Tubbs 
will put people in uh, a good mood. I don't know what kind of mood they were going to be in, but <laughs> but hopefully, um, hopefully this uh, this will help. So, hey, Suiji, let's get into it with um, with the Tigers. It was an interesting game at, uh, at at Gainesville for a half, with the Tigers taking a seven to six lead on the on a pick six. Great individual play. And got him in the end zone. Finally, got the offense, or I mean, got uh, got Missouri on the scoreboard. They took a seven to six lead, and I was thinking at the time, okay, Missouri's going to be okay here. You know, they 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 have traditionally played Florida well for whatever reason. They just have lined up and played them well, and they'll be okay. Well, yeah. then halftime happened, and <laughs> uh, first of all, Florida got a touchdown in before halftime, right, to make it fourteen, and it got two point conversion to make it fourteen to seven, and then halftime happened. So I'll let you become the the play by play man for what what happened at halftime. Just take us through the the chronology of the benches clearing fight that the Missouri and Florida players and coaches engaged in. Yeah, the the biggest thing is coaches, right? Uh, just a um, quick clarification: Mizzou actually gave up a couple of touchdowns right before halftime, so things oh. are already kind of falling apart as it was. I think the with the halftime score Thank was you. twenty to seven. Yeah, yeah. So it was you know, oh, Florida went on a long, yeah. So long drive, and then the fumble, and then the touchdown, and then it was kind of things are kind of like precarious for Mizzou to begin with. Then this this brawl essentially happens, and. Uh, it, it was um, essentially play-by-play, play, like you said, Blair. Uh, Mizzou's Trajan Jeffcoat, who rejoined the team just a couple months ago during camp, he essentially it was – it looked like a late hit. Um, I think some Florida fans that saw on Twitter or Reddit were, were kind of mad. They called it dirty. I don't know. I, I think it was just a traditional late hit. I think it should have gotten a flag. But it that kind of sparked things. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you had a brawl. And Dan Mullen, Florida's coach, I think is – I can comfortably say now – he didn't. I don't think he was the reason it started, but once your coach kind of goes a little crazy and he's going after raps, and then if you look at the replay, it looks like him, uh, Mullen, and Mizzou defensive coordinator Brian Walters kind of gets into it for a little, a few seconds there, and then you, you, there are a lot of punches thrown. Um, I remember on the live viewing, I could see Marco Utzi, who who was suspended uh, after the fact, he was kind of throwing a few haymakers. So when he wasn't ejected, actually. On Saturday, I was a little surprised. So the final result, though, three players were ejected. Two Florida players, um, Zach Carter and Antoine Powell, were ejected for fighting. Trey Williams, Mizzou's Trey Williams, was ejected for unsportsmanlike conduct. Then, after the fact, the SEC came out and announced on Monday that they were going to uh, fine Dan Mullen $25,000, uh, suspend three Mizzou players, Chad Bailey, Dylan Spencer, and the aforementioned Marco Utzi, half game suspension so that'll be served on the november 14th georgia game and then those two players for miss for florida who were ejected at halftime also have to miss the georgia game um next week so for whatever reason georgia really comes out on top for this um dan mullen didn't look great <laughs> he's had kind of a rough few weeks we've talked about off air a little bit the star sports staff but that, that was kind of the play-by-play for a uh, very hectic uh, it kind of went from zero to 100 there honestly just from a late hit to, to a straight-up brawl, I think, uh, was, was kind of crazy just to witness over a few minutes span. Well, you're right that Georgia is the beneficiary here because that's the next two opponents, uh, the next opponent for each, Missouri and, and uh, Florida. So 
players are going to have to sit out against games against Georgia. And hey, you know, if you're a Georgia fan, you're you're loving that. But let me ask you this, Suichi: was was Jeff Coat penalized for his hit on Trask? No, so I think that's kind of the biggest thing. And both coaches, for the for the record, both coaches after the fact, um, after on, during their post game comments. Um, Drinkwitz essentially said he had his eyes on the ball because it was a Hail Mary type play. And then and then the hit happened. No flag came out, so I think that's what Mullen was very angry about. Uh, Dan Mullen said the same thing about how he had his eyes on the play. And he was told it was a late hit. Um, interestingly, he was in a full Darth Vader getup on Halloween, which is uh, – <laughs> you can go look up those pictures. I highly recommend doing so. But, yes, he was not penalized, and I think that's what kind of drew the ire of, of Florida and then – uh, next thing you know, you have multiple players in, in a straight-up brawl. So, Okay. Um, now, so Mullen, as you mentioned, uh, he, he got a $25,000 fine. Drink, Eli Drinkwitz was not fined for his role in this. Uh, was who, who, were, who was trying to play peacemaker here? Who did you notice was trying to pull, <laughs> trying to pull players away from the, from the brawl? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like some personnel people uh, from both sides. I mean, the thing that kind of struck me was that Dan Mullen had to be held back by Florida coaches or personnel um, on his way to the refs at the beginning. And then and then ap- actually afterwards, after the ho- once the teams are kind of getting into the locker room, kind of the tail end of everything, right, uh, before the coaches actually got into the locker room, well, it looked like Mullen had to be held back to go talk to Drinkwitz. And luckily, like, once they got together, it wasn't – it was generally kind of, you know – it. There weren't, you know, Mullen didn't punch Drinkwitz or anything ridiculous, but it, it was generally kind of peaceful. Uh, Drinkwitz, you know, he kind of admitted post game that it wasn't exactly a pleasant conversation, which I think, you know, emotions are high and everything. So, but it, it was just, and then, and then to kind of the cherry on top, I guess, of all of this is that Dan Mullen, he had taken, he was essentially halfway down the tunnel, but then he actually came out to kind of pump up the crowd, which I thought was kind of. Should you really be doing that? I don't know. Like it, it, it kind of makes Mullen look a little on the guiltier side, maybe in my opinion. Um, so that was that was kind of the play by play, and I think um, it it it, it kind of showed that like Mullen was kind of okay with it, and and I don't know the way he acted, and it kind it seemed like he was maybe enabling the players a little bit. I know Florida fans, if they listen to this, will be very angry with me, but that's kind of the impression I got on first watch, and then after watching the replay multiple times, that was a. Uh, kind of what I took away from it. And I think that's why Mullen got fined uh, $25,000, which is uh, that's a, that's a lot of money. <laughs> tell, tell me if you guys agree with this. My, my, my basic perception of this is Mullen didn't see it, was told it happened, went out with a flamethrower, triggered the whole thing, <laughs> and, and then doubled down with that bit coming out of the, coming out of the tunnel. Um, I, I, I mean, that, that's certainly how I saw it. The hit, I didn't like the hit, but I didn't think the hit was flagrant. I just thought it was kind of a, he didn't really pull up and should have pulled up more. It wasn't like he unleashed his full force on him. Um, but I just thought if Dan Mullen didn't do what he did, the brawl doesn't happen. I, I feel yeah. like that, that's the case. Yeah. I think there was definitely kind of an instigator enabling vibe from Mullen. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's had kind of a, kind of a crazy few weeks he tested positive for covid he he said packed a swamp ninety thousand strong um and i know drink what's on drink what's kind of had a maybe a little jab during his uh kind of the, yeah. leading up to the game i bought you were we we talked about this a little bit leading up to the game Mullen was essentially did not talk injuries or covid numbers and florida was on the other side of a covid case and mizzou has kind of um you know a little bit 
pat on the back. They've been pretty transparent with COVID numbers. So Mizzou, you look at Mizzou and Drinkwitz has been pretty good about injuries and telling the media that. And then you look at Mullen and he is essentially like, oh, I don't talk about that for privacy reasons, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there was maybe a little bit of a, I don't, I don't want to say like anything huge, but there was a little bit of a jab back and forth a little bit uh, leading up to the game. Oh, yeah, it was. I And I, you know, he can be a little snarky, but I kind of liked what he did with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought that was uh, him just saying, well, if, if that's what they're going to do, then that's what we're going to do. And, you know, I, I can see the case. Yeah, uh, the weird the weird thing is actually there was a backup linebacker, Cam Wilkins, wasn't listed. So um, some one of the other Mizzou Beaverators were like, hey, is he on the team? And Drinkwitz had to be like, oh, yeah, he's fine. He's just that – I guess it was a casualty of not – disclosing injuries is kind of what happened there. So that's, uh, it's, it's just one of those, I guess it's just one of those things about college football where there, you know, it's not the NFL where there are injury reports every, you know, there are no injury designations and it's just kind of how coaches do it. And, uh, Mullen does it one way and, uh, Drinkwitz, uh, does it the other. Yeah. Well, one thing seems clear is that Florida responded better in the second half than, than Missouri did. Maybe you can make a case that Missouri didn't respond in the entire game to, uh, to whatever Florida was throwing at them. I was a little surprised by the one-sidedness of the game, Suichi, after what I had seen from the Tigers in each of the past two weeks. The LSU well, – two games over three weeks, the LSU and Kentucky victories. Now, I think there is certainly a different perspective on LSU given what's you know, the results of Tigers those Tigers games recently. But the Kentucky win still stands as a pretty impressive one. And for Missouri to – not uh, not show better at Florida, s- well, says to me that Florida is very, very good and, you know, maybe a, a top contender with, with Georgia in the East and um, uh, Missouri just, you know, tough tough game for Connor Bazelak and, uh, and a team taking the road for, um, you know, a, a big road game. So you, you, you look at Florida, you look at the Tennessee road games, Missouri didn't play well in either one of those. What are we to make of where Missouri is after five games with, uh, you know, two and three record and still thinking about uh, a postseason, although we don't talk much about the postseason yet, uh, but um, but they're thinking about postseason play. Yeah, but a couple things. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned po- or midseason. I guess I'll have kind of a story up in conjunction. I hope with tomorrow with the pod. I guess Wednesday with the podcast, you'll be able to see it. Kind of looking at maybe some surprises and everything. So look out for that. Um, and and I, I, I'm really glad you mentioned the like post halftime because I actually asked Drinkwitz because I was curious. Like it, it really looked like things just kind of fell apart from Mizzou after the second half, and and it kind of did, you know. And he he kind of admitted like he. Drink was essentially said, yeah, we lost our composure. Like the coaches have to do a better job of just adjusting, you know, during halftime. And because essentially what happened was Florida went on a long touchdown drive coming out of the second half and Mizzou went two and out. And at that point it was a three possession game and it was pretty much game over. So I think that's, that's kind of what happened. Um, you, you look at maybe the offensive line, Mizzou's offensive line coming into the season was a huge question mark. You, you graduated three guys or you lost at least three guys who were on at least NFL rosters or practice squads, including Asir Durant, who was with the Chiefs. So people are like, we don't really know what we got in this. And they've been a pleasant surprise, but essentially they had, you know, uh, three, three players who were either injured or ineffectiveness. Zeke Powell started, but then Bobby Lawrence came in and then um, the left guard and the right tackle 
both were out from Mizzou, and then you essentially had a true freshman and a redshirt freshman come in. So, and and the thing that struck out to me rewatching that game on Sunday, it's the offensive line was just. Uh, it was it was it was bad out there, you know. Basilek didn't have much time to throw. They were getting a push in recent games, and it just wasn't there for Larry Roundtree, which I which is why I think Drinkwitz kind of went away from the running game. So, yeah, I mean, I, it starts in the trenches in, in college football, right? So I think that was the biggest thing. I think this bye week comes at a really nice time for Mizzou just to heal up on that offensive line, and and so. Well, overall, I mean, in, t- in terms of talking two and three, I think you're very happy with where Mizzou is at, especially with the rest of the schedule. Because Blair, I, I really don't think 500 is uh, is is out of reach here because you play Georgia, but then you essentially get four teams. They pretty much the easiest games on your schedule in South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. And I, I think if you go three and one in those final four games and you're looking at a five and five season and and i think if you if you pulled mizzou fans before the season would you take five and five in this covid riddled air you know covid covid riddled season i I think you know 90 plus percent of fans would take that at five and five so i think you 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 feel good maybe you're humbled a little bit against florida you're not quite there at the top 10 level of the sec but if you're a mizzou fan i mean i I'd, i'd be feeling real good right now with drink with yeah, I was going to say five. If it end, if it ends up five and five, uh, at least or at least five and five, that's with a first year, you know, first year coach. That is, that would be terrific. Um, Vahe, what 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 have you made of the Tigers? I, I know that uh, you and I try to catch these games when we can, um, but uh, but I, I think the 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 LSU and the Kentucky wins changed the narrative for me on on Missouri. I. I didn't know how to feel after the first two games. You know, expected but but somewhat competitive loss to Alabama. But then they go to then they go to Tennessee, and it's it's you know I know it was close to being you know they were close to being in the game in the second half, but it ended up being what thirty five to twelve. Then the LSU and Kentucky games happen, and so where where, where are you with uh, Drinkwitz and, and the Tigers this season? Well, I, I love the way Suichi, uh sort of summed it up, and I and I, I like how you put it too, Blair that it, that change the narrative. And I think for me, those two games, uh, maybe the term I'd use to add to yours is, you know, change the foundation of how I looked at it a little bit. I felt like, and Suichi did a really good job spelling this out in his uh, game stories, the fact and and analysis, the fact that those wins were kind of generated in different ways with, with uh, um, responses to the moment and responses to what, what they were up against. And by the way, uh, after schedule shuffling and all these kind of weird things um, really spoke to me about uh, Drinkwitz's impact on the team and uh, an ability to connect with them. So I, I, I really expected more out of Florida because of that. I do think, and as our buddy and colleague, Sam Mellinger would put it, there's some aspect of this that's the ballad of the loser, but I do think I would like to have seen the game in which Missouri didn't fumble late in the sec- late in the second quarter and that brawl didn't happen. I'd like to have seen that second half, um, despite all the things Soichi noted that they were up against. So I, 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 I feel better about where the program is in this situation than I expected to. And you add in the fact of, at this stage, I mean, and then add in the fact that it's all happened in the flux of COVID. And I, I really tip my cap to Drinkwitz. I, I, and I feel like it's, it's quite promising. For sure. Then 
um, than the last couple of years of, of Barry Odom's regime when you know they, they couldn't beat Kentucky. They were having a hard time against the the, the better teams in the SEC. But um, we'll see. Uh, it looked they're obviously their most difficult game remaining is the next one right after the open week they at Georgia, but that's the only ranked team left on the schedule. So uh, Missouri should be absolutely competitive in the rest of those games. Okay, we're going to take a break. And speaking of coaches that act demonstratively uh, in a game or on a basketball court, um, we're going to talk about Billy Tubbs. And when we come back from the break, we're going to, uh, before you hear us talking, you're going to hear the famous Billy Tubbs moment where in 1989, he's asked by the the basketball official uh, Hightower to calm the fans down. Tiger, uh, Oklahoma is playing Missouri. Missouri's off to a great start. The fans are furious at the officiating. And uh, Billy Tubbs is asked to uh, by Ed Hightower to go make an announcement over the public address uh, system. And you'll hear that after we come back from this break. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Now Tubbs will head over to midcourt. And he'll take the microphone. I've never referred. What's her belly? We're back with Suichi Tirada and Vahe Gregorian, and you guys just heard Billy Tubbs. Um, I don't, I don't think it was Billy Tubbs' um, greatest moment in coaching, but it was one of the one of the moments that defined him. And Vahe, I don't know if I don't know if I if I know this, but were you at that game? I was not at that game. Um, uh, Jim Thomas of the Post Dispatch was there, and we were we were kind of about to do, as the star I'm sure was at the time, about to get knee-deep in some really fascinating stuff that season because Norm was sick, and I think Bob Sunbowl got suspended, and suddenly Rich Daly's coaching the team, and it was uh, it was quite a season. And that was, you know, sort of the start of this really, uh, um, you know, worrisome time about Norm's health. Um, the thing, Blair, about uh, – about Billy that night was that, you know, I was thinking that we link all this together, right. It's sort of a Dan Mullen kind of moment. Um, but Billy's was clever. I mean, it, that's the thing. I, whenever I look at that thing, I must've watched it, you know, 643 times in my life. 
and I just almost bust a gut every time. It's so ridiculous, so outrageous, so hilarious, and just kind of so Billy. And I remember that he talked about it. I had to cut this out of the story for space, but he talked about it later and said, you tell me to get a job done, I get it done. They stopped throwing stuff. That's right. <laughs> it's exactly right. I think the score, if I if I heard the clip correctly when I when I was going through it earlier, it was at, Missouri was up eighteen to five yeah. and uh, just playing great on the road. And that was the that was the plane trip, uh, the the trip from Columbia to Norman, where Norm uh, had his uh, suffered his um, ailment and uh, and so was not on the sideline that night and. And as in the case with Dan Mullen, who fired up his Florida Gators and the Gators played well in the second half, Oklahoma went on to win that game. I think I remember the score is 112 to 106 in a very typical Big 8 basketball game for the Times. And uh, so so Vahe and I were – what was also I find interesting about that moment is that was about the time both of us started covering the – sort of the college basketball, the college sports scene, you in St. Louis and me in Kansas city. That was my first year at the star. And, um, and, and, and I just to, to get to know people like Billy Tubbs and Norm Stewart and Johnny Orr and, um, Larry Brown had moved on from Kansas, but uh, Roy Williams was in his, um, uh, was in his first year at KU, but it was an incredible time, uh, for personalities in the Big Eight, and especially at basketball, and we have purposely kept Suichi Tarada, young Suichi, on the con- in the conversation, to give him a little bit of a, a little bit of a flavor of what it was like to to deal with these coaches, and um, and it, it was just a remarkable time, and all of them, I, I couldn't wait to go to games because these coaches would be antagonistic toward each other, uh, visibly, demonstratively. I mean, they, they would really – they'd get after it. They, they would, and it was – I mean, Suichi, uh, have a seat, lad. Um, <laughs> just, just such ridiculous stuff, too. I mean, I, look, just going up to Hilton Coliseum, and Johnny Orr would come out to the Tonight Show theme, right? I mean, here's Johnny. Johnny. And you'd come out – and back then, and maybe it was just for effect, although Hilton Coliseum was always pretty loud. I remember that they were selling earplugs in the in the uh, concession stands, right? A l- little bit of effect, and yes. certainly yeah. you always needed them at Allen Fieldhouse. And but the 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 trifecta of Norm, Johnny, and, and Blair, you 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 probably can go beyond this, but the one that stood out to me was Norm, Johnny, and 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 Billy Tubbs, the way. They all riffed off each other, played off each other. I think I wrote this in the column today that at some point I wasn't quite sure where theater began and reality existed, whether they really did sort of love each other after all and just look like hate on the court or if they really just hated each other. Um, and I think over the years that that looks a little different, right? They came to have relationships afterward. But the other thing, Soichi, that may surprise you and Blair and I were lucky to be covering it at this time. The, the access points were just so different. And I, I remember it being a time where you knew all the coaches in the Big Eight and and you called them directly. Um, and like, I remember Roy calling me back, Roy calling me back in St. Louis from a, you know, he's watching his kid's high school game at a gym, calling from a payphone. Um, but I remember Billy who was born in St. Louis and lived there like three years, four years, 
you'd call him and he'd always say, it's always good to hear from my hometown paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's you, you got the, uh, you got the voice down pretty good. Been working on it. It was good. So, um, you know, he compared his voice was compared to Jack Nicholson. I, I think in the inflection, it was Jack Nicholson like, um, more more so than in the uh, the actual yeah. the actual cackle. sound of the voice. The cackle was kind of part of it. it, was, it was <laughs> right. part of after that, <laughs> well, I can I can remember at the the old Big Eight basketball tournament at Kemper Arena, the uh, the the famous hospital media hospitality rooms. Billy would be in there, and you know having beers with writers and you know staff members um, and and holding court. It was just uh, something that just un- unthinkable today that something like that could happen. Absolutely. It, and Barry Switzer just popping in, his son coming in and playing piano. Oh. Yep. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> you know, we're at the point where even I know all these things, and I'm like, oh, Barry Switzer, okay, let's do this. <laughs> now you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other thing that you know, we we've talked about the personalities, and those were uh, obviously it was enormous. He was a very successful coach, right? He got he changed Oklahoma basketball, made it a national power in the '80s, a feared team. They've got to the, you know, they got, obviously got to the 1988 championship game. Had had bludgeoned every opponent until they got to Kansas, and it was just Billy's misfortune to have to play Kansas and Danny Manning and Kemper Arena on um, uh, on on championship night. And I'll never forget hearing this, you know, some 30 years later, just recently, actually, Larry Brown telling a story about Manning had Manning had picked up a I don't know if it was his third foul early in the second half or something. And the and Manning had gotten in foul trouble two years earlier in the final four fouled out of, out of the final four game, just changed the nature of the of KU's game against Duke in the national semifinals. And. Larry Brown was assured by the officials then that uh, Danny Manning's not fouling out of this game. <laughs> and Billy Tubbs heard it. And so, of course, he held on to that the rest of his life. That, oh, of course, Danny's not fouling out. And, oh, my God. That is, that is, that's just the right combination of ingredients there, isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Blair, you know, that so, was, I've probably told you this before, but as it happened, that was the first uh, – NCAA title game I ever went to. I was an intern at the Post Dispatch, but uh, a friend of mine, and and you know him now, Tom Ojakian, uh, yeah. ESPN, called me on game day and had a ticket. And I was like, "Well, what is this Final Four uh, opportunity I, I, I hear of?" And I, I just drove over and found some place to park by the Golden Ox, um, you know, wedged in between like six cars, and I just. It was like walking into this, this this magic curtain opening. I mean, I, I just remember that was the game, fifty to fifty at halftime, and obviously just an amazing. I, I can't remember if there's been a a closer to campus home crowd for a, a title game. You, you might remember that, Blair, but it. it oh, you'll remember uh, remember Butler playing in Indianapolis. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, you yeah. know Gordon Gordon Hayward's team, but yeah. uh, but no, that was so so unusual and. And in the you know the 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 Midwest Regional Final that year, which was played in Pontiac, Michigan, uh, Ooh, was Kansas Dome? versus yes, in the Silver Dome, Kansas right. versus Kansas State. Uh, so the winner was going to play pretty close to home in in the Final Four that year. Now Billy was was amazing. Uh, his teams that included players like you know Harvey Grant and Mookie Blaylock, Ricky Grace, they they were scoring 
you know, and non-conference opponents overwhelmed a non-conference opponent scoring 150, 160 points a game. And Billy's Billy always wanted to try to get to 200 points. He wanted to be the first team to ever reach 200 points <laughs> in, in a game. And uh, so they would press and play starters long after, you know, a, a game was in hand just so he could do that. And even though it never happened, uh, it wasn't for lack of trying by, by Billy. So, you know, and, and Billy happened to, I can't remember the sequence exactly, Blair, but it was, what was it, 84, 85 when the three-point line uh, came into play? Uh, yeah, about then. And and shot clock changes and stuff. And so it that really played into Billy's hands, and Billy certainly embraced uh, embraced that notion. <laughs> I think he, he once said that the perfect game would be to win 200 to 100. <laughs> That's right. Man. He was something else, and Vahe, as you noted in your column, it's been quite the year for not losing basketball coach. Listen, losing sports stars in every sport, right? It's just been a tough year for that. Yeah. But yeah. college basketball hasn't, uh, you know, it hasn't been immune to this. With uh, what's the list? Eddie Sutton and John Thompson. Who am I missing? Well, yeah, it's funny. I, Eddie and John were the ones that uh, first came to mind for me. Then when I I checked back with you yesterday, you right away mentioned uh, Lute Olson and. And a guy who was near and dear to me also was uh, Lou Henson. I, I I covered the Illinois beat at the Post Dispatch uh, one year, and and you know knew Lou over the years, and I, it just he was a he was a great great guy, and that's a that's that's quite a quite a crew. That's a, a lot of Final Fours, a lot of charisma, um, a lot of influence on the game that that's all gone in 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 this dreadful year, right. Okay, let's let's wake up Suichi and um, <laughs> Suichi. I can't I can't wait for the day thirty five years from now when you're talking with speaking with someone about um, you know the, the, this time in your life. <laughs> oh I'll be sure to tune in. Uh, so, <laughs> so thanks for hanging out, lad. We'll see um, what the uh, we'll see what medium we're in at that point. Maybe it'll be something. Maybe it'll be in your own living room or something. A virtual me just speaking. That's what it'll be. That's right. We'll all, we'll all beam in to your living room, and you'll make sure Vahe and I are there. Uh, make us listen to it. Exactly right. All right. All right, guys. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Vahe, Suichi, great talking to you, and we will do it again soon. Thanks, Blair. All right. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Suichi Tarada and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking college sports. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those who want to deep dive into the Star's terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you tell us to cancel. How do you get it? Well, you go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account. KansasCity.com slash subscribe. And I know that's a lot of dots and dashes, and if you're having trouble finding any of these offers, you send me an email, 
bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. Whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best news and sports coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode. <laughs>